turn to 2 Peter, to Peter's second letter. And a few verses for us at the start of a new year to encourage our hearts, to set the scene, and uh, to keep us close to our God. 2 Peter, and we begin in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through those, these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, He is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. We thank you for the way that we're able to give back to you in our offerings uh, because of all that you've given to us. We thank you for giving us your word. and We thank you that we're able to read it so freely this morning, uh, both in paper and on all of these electronic devices that we have. We thank you that we have that ready access. We pray this morning, though, that you would speak to us through these very words in Peter, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would build us up, that you would enable us and equip us for this year ahead, that you would excite us for living life with you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a bit of a rogues gallery uh, up our stairs in the manse. I don't know if you've ever walked up the stairs in the manse and taken time to look. Probably not because we don't let you up the stairs because it's too messy up the stairs. But anyway, we have this rogues gallery as you go up the stairs. And uh, on each side are photographs of Andrew and of Rebecca. And they start from that very young toddler stage and go up through nursery and right through um, primary school and high school. And it brings me great joy sometimes to slowly walk up the stairs and to look at those pictures and to reflect on how our kids have grown and just the the joy that they bring to us and how proud we are of them. As you get to the top of the stairs, you suddenly realize that the photos have stopped and school passed and now universities passed and now they're both working And it makes me feel just a little bit old, but we'll not go too far into that. But it reminds me that they are still growing. They're still growing in character. They're still growing in competence. 
and they'll continue to do that throughout their lives. Each one of us continues to grow. Time-lapse photography will allow you to see physical growth over a span of years, but there are no photographs that can show our spiritual growth. And spiritual growth is really important. We are to keep growing. We don't just come to faith in Jesus, then sit back and wait for heaven to come. We are to be active, to actively pursue our Lord, seeking to grow in knowledge of Him, which leads to love of Him, which leads on to service to Him. Peter gets that and writes about that in his second letter here. Four times in this passage, he speaks of knowledge, knowledge of God, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know God and we can know him better. We know him through faith, the basic foundation, and then we're called to build on that faith, to know him better, to be faithful in life and service. Peter is nearing the end of his life, and he acknowledges that as you get down to verse 14, which we didn't go as far as that. In light of that, he said in verse 13, I think it's right to refresh your memory. And this morning, I want to refresh our memories and what it means to keep growing. At the end of 2017, leading into 2018, I preached from the final few verses of 2 Peter 3 and encouraged us to keep going. Well, as we start 2020, I want to encourage us not just to keep going, but actually to keep growing. It's far too easy to become complacent in our Christian faith, to think that we've made it. And it doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian, whether it's one year or whether it's 50 years, we are all called to keep growing. None of us gets to sit back on the bench and say, I've got it all. Because actually, the only thing I know for sure at that stage is you ain't got nothing at all. Maybe this is a year for you, my friend, to dig back in and to draw closer to the Lord once more. I want to look at two main things this morning with a few subpoints underneath the basic foundation and the building blocks faith and fruitfulness. Peter begins with the basic foundation, and that is faith. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Peter reminds us of uh, who he is as he begins writing this circular letter. He is a servant. He's an apostle of Jesus. Uh, he was called by Jesus to leave his nets many years before to follow him to become a fisher of men. He was trained. He was mentored. Then he was released into service. Then he reminds us of the faith that we have received. And that ought to make us uh, stop in our tracks a faith we have received. You see, we're programmed to think that we make a decision to follow Jesus, and in part we do, but we're only able to do that after he has opened our eyes and called us to himself. Peter speaks in this passage of the wonderful mystery of election. In verse 10, he says, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. He began his first letter writing to the elect, those who were selected, those who were saved, those who were sanctified. God has chosen us. 
As he said to the ancient Israelites in the Old Testament, out of all the nations, all the peoples around, I have chosen you as my prized possession. And still today, he chooses people. He has chosen us. Why us? I don't have an answer to that question, by the way, other than God's sovereign will and choice. But I am ever so glad that he chose to open the eyes of a young lad from Kreef, and I rejoice that he has chosen to save me. The basic foundation is faith. Peter describes that faith as precious there in verse 1. How do we obtain that faith? We obtain it through God's person, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, he writes. We receive faith through Jesus, through the one who is our Savior. All who are born again are aware of the person of Jesus and his great sacrifice on our behalf. But it's good to be reminded of his coming as we have been thinking on over these recent days. We're speaking of God incarnate the only begotten son of the living God, coming of a virgin womb, robed in flesh, all in order to offer his body as the substitutionary atonement for sin. Our salvation wasn't obtained by a mere mortal. Uh, The sovereign God humbled himself in the form of a man in order to purchase our redemption and secure our salvation. Paul described it so much better than I can in Philippians 2 and 7 when he said, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our salvation comes through Jesus. The foundation of our faith is Jesus. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, had to come and to offer his body as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Only through the shedding of that blood could he make the perfect atonement for sin once and for all. Only he could save us. We cannot save ourselves. Our good works cannot save us. Our only way is through Jesus Christ who gave his life for us through his sacrificial death, through his resurrection. He is our righteousness, Peter says. God's person is our righteousness. He makes us righteous in God's eyes. He also gives us grace and peace and abundance, it says there, as we grow in the knowledge of God. Grace is God's undeserving favor. God in his mercy doesn't give us what we deserve, but in his grace he gives us what we don't deserve. And the result of that is peace, peace with God and the peace of God. In fact, God's grace and peace are multiplied, it says. Uh, It says that they are ours in abundance, is what it literally means. Multiplied, multiplied to us as we walk with him and trust in his promises. The Christian life begins with saving faith, faith in God's person, Jesus. When we know God personally, though, we also experience God's power. And his power, this power produces life and it produces godliness. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Actually, let's just remind ourselves of where that saving faith comes from again. God himself, he called us, he opened our eyes, he opened our minds, he has brought us close to him, he has saved us. And he's done all of that, it says, through his divine power. I'm so glad that Peter doesn't begin with what we need to do as if there's anything we could do. 
Instead, Peter begins with what God has already done. He has worked in power in our lives. And what of this power? What kind of power gives us what we need? I'm always running into people these days who say, I've run out of power. I say to them, I called you. Why didn't you pick up the phone? Oh, my battery ran out. And that the modern generation for you, by the way? Too many Snapchats and Instagrams and who knows what, and their battery runs out on their phone. Or we experience what could be the story of my life in some ways. We set out to accomplish a whole bunch of things, but before we can get through that list, we find ourselves depleted and we have to save the rest for uh, another day. But that's not what Peter's talking about. He's not talking about puny power, puny earthly power, puny human power like ours. Peter says that we have a limitless supply available to us. We have access to God's own power, a power that never runs out. That used to be the old advert, wasn't it? The Duracell bunny that went on and on and on and on so much longer than anything else. God's power uh, is even better than a Duracell bunny's because it eventually runs out too. But God's doesn't. God never tires. His power is never depleted. God's limitless power is available to help us grow. And what do we get with God's power? Look what Peter says. He says, everything we need uh, for life and godliness, everything. God doesn't hold back. There's nothing that we need that God doesn't give to us. He gives us absolutely everything we need. He provides uh, all we need to live lives that are pleasing to him. He equips us for the journey. As we walk with the Lord, growing in grace and knowledge, we become more like him. We are given all we need to glorify God. That was Paul again, Philippians 1, verse 6 this time, who said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God's begun that work in us. His power will carry that through to completion. God's not only given us what we need for life and godliness, but he's also given us his word to enable us to develop this life and godliness. These are God's promises. Verse four, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. These promises are great because they come from a great God and they lead to a great life. They are great because of the greatness of the mighty and eternal God who gives them to us and who keeps them for us. They are precious because their value is beyond calculation. They are precious because of the precious and eternal things they secure for us. These promises enable us to live confidently with the sure and certain hope that is before us. Along with salvation comes an abundance of great promises, precious promises. There are too many to mention, certainly beyond their ability to grasp, but we can enjoy their certainty. We're assured of forgiveness of sin and eternal life in Christ through salvation. We're promised the indwelling of the Spirit of God, the guidance that comes only through Him. We're promised strength and wisdom for every task we face every day that we live. We're promised a home in heaven when this life is through every promise our Lord has made. Listen, He will keep. We will receive every portion of His divine will for our lives and our eternal destiny. There can be no doubt no doubt that a God who loves us so much and possesses such power will keep his promises. Peter tells us that through these promises, we have God's nature within us. 
And that nature within seeks holiness and righteousness. We're able to escape the corruption of the world around. We're able to resist temptation that comes from every angle. We're able to look to God and walk in His ways. We have a brand new nature inside us. We've been set free in Christ. Sin no longer has dominion over us. So friends, live free. Keep growing in Christ. Keep growing in godliness. The basic foundation is faith. Take some time at the start of this year to dwell on the foundation of your faith, to think in all that God has given us in his person and his power and in his promises. In order to keep growing, though, we have to accept that gift of faith, that gift of salvation, and we have to build on it. Faith that doesn't stand alone. Real faith in God results in a changed life. Peter moves on to the building blocks, which are fruitfulness. Verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he gives a sevenfold list of characteristics to add on. Peter calls for us to make every effort to work hard at allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and with us to become more like Jesus. We're not simply to come to faith and remain there as if that's all that we need to do. We are to grow to reach maturity. Are you growing? Are you fruitful? Growing Christians are fruitful people. We see fruit in our lives as we grow in godliness, as we grow to become more like Jesus. And so Peter speaks of spiritual growth in verses 5 through 7. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. These seven areas of spiritual growth he lists are not some exhaustive list, but they're a good starting point and a very good continuing point for all of us. The first quality of character Peter lists was goodness or virtue, as it's translated elsewhere. This could take us a while to go through all these, couldn't it? Very shortly. This refers to the excellence of the proper fulfillment of something. The best thing a knife can do is to cut something. The best thing a horse can do is to run. The best thing a Christian can do is to become like Christ. So a believer should add to the life of faith the excellence of Christ-likeness. We are to grow in the character qualities that marked Jesus. Just as he always obeyed the Father and lived to glorify him, so should we. Then we come to knowledge. And this isn't about uh, necessarily about knowing all uh, we can of the doctrines of God, as much as it's actually about us applying those to our lives. This is about practical knowledge and wisdom. It's about being able to take what we know and use it to live life well. It's the opposite of being so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly use. A believer should add to their faith excellence and apply it practically. Some people have all the biblical data, but they don't live the Christian life. True knowledge is lived out. It's acted out. Knowledge leads on to self-control. Self-control means to control our passions rather uh, than being controlled by them. We break the will of sin by self-discipline. Paul often compared the Christian to an athlete who must exercise and discipline themselves if they ever hope to win the prize. And of course, if you are to succeed at this self-control, you're going to need perseverance. Perseverance. Difficulties come in life. We feel tired. 
We feel defeated. We feel stressed out. Life is tough. But if we want to achieve our goals, we have to keep going to persevere. We have to persevere with courage against all the odds. Many people flourish in the Christian life at the beginning, but fall back as soon as they hit some kind of resistance. When you can go right through any difficulty and stand courageously against Satan's attacks and the world's opposition, then you've got that never give in, never give up kind of persistence. Peter then speaks of godliness. Simply means God-likeness. Godliness refers to a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of our lives. It refers to being being in awe in the very presence of God. The obedience that befits that reverence. Godliness is a life of worship even. David said in Psalm 16 verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. It's about seeking to do the Lord's will. And that leads on to brotherly kindness. The word literally means brotherly love. It's the feeling of kindness or mutual understanding and care that should exist among family members. It could apply to how we are to treat every human being since we're all part of the human family, but it especially refers to the love that we are to show others in the family of God. What a way for our year to start, by the way, if we showed that kind of brotherly, sisterly love to one another in the church right through the year. What a wonderful goal for us to keep doing what we always do, to love one another. In essence, it's the second greatest command, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Peter finishes with the biggie in that list. He finishes with love, not just love, agape love, all-encompassing love, that self-sacrificial commitment to seek the highest good of the one loved. And since Peter exhorts us to apply all diligence to supply brotherly kindness and love, these qualities aren't just spontaneous. We must work at them. We must often go against our feelings of pride, our feelings of laziness or self-centeredness in order to demonstrate love to others. You can practice it each week in church. Instead of keeping to yourself what you might prefer uh, to do, um, maybe look out for others who are new or who are alone and go out of your way to make them feel welcome. If the person is hurting, pray with them. If they're lonely, seek to meet up with them during the week. And so the list that begins with faith ends with love. Peter tells us to take steps to add these to our lives. Make every effort. But we don't need to be overwhelmed, friends. We need to keep deepening our knowledge of God. And then with the resources he gives, we can gradually grow these virtues in our lives. Keep growing. Build up your faith. And as we do that, Peter tells us that we gain sight. Spiritual sight and insight. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. These qualities are essential. Without them, we can't really say that we belong to Jesus, but they're gradual. Peter mentions that they can be ours and increasing. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to stay close to Jesus and then to make every effort to add these virtues to our lives. And as we add them to our lives, our insight into the things of God grows. Indeed, our sight of God becomes clearer and fuller. God reveals more of himself to us. I love that tension. How do we grow? 
We don't grow on our own. That would never work. We grow by relying on the resources that God makes available to us. But then we make every effort to add virtue to our lives, to take small steps to, we, to grow. How do we grow? By relying on Jesus or by hard work? Yes, both. We grow by relying on what God has given to us and then by taking steps ourselves to grow. And all the while, Peter urges us to remember our past there, to remember we've been cleansed from our past sins. Those who fail to possess these attributes growing in their faith are in danger of forgetting uh, the very blessedness of salvation. They soon forget the great price that was paid for their sin. They become insensitive to the leading of the Spirit, and soon they find themselves in a backslidden state. In other words, keep those eyes open. Keep preaching the gospel to yourself each day and keep growing in grace. If you walk around with your eyes closed, what happens? You stumble. You bump into something. But the growing Christian walks with confidence because they know they are secure in Christ. Peter finishes by reminding us of our security. We can build and grow because we are secure in Jesus. Verse 10, Therefore, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter challenged the believer to make their calling and election sure. What exactly does he mean? This speaks of having assurance of our salvation. We know that salvation comes by and through a personal relationship with Jesus. Truthfully, only you and the Lord are certain of your salvation as an individual. Those who neglect their walk with the Lord, failing to maintain a close relationship with Him, will often question and doubt their salvation. One of the surest ways to assure our salvation it's a mouthful there, isn't it? One of the surest ways to assure our salvation uh, is to maintain our relationship with Christ. If we are walking consistently with him, being sensitive to the leading of his spirit, we will possess the necessary attributes and be assured of our salvation. On account of that, Peter speaks of the eternal reward provided to those who strive to live faithfully for Christ. Those who live committed lives for Christ, genuinely saved by his grace, are promised entrance into the everlasting kingdom in heaven. Facing the battles of the flesh, the attacks of the enemy are difficult to endure, but the reward of heaven will make it all worthwhile. Those who are saved by grace can live with confident assurance of eternal life through Christ in glory. Peter is challenging and encouraging believers to keep growing. He does that by urging us to look back and see what God has done for us in Christ. The basic foundation is faith, a faith received from God through Jesus. By his divine power, he has granted us everything we need for life and godliness, and he has given us his promises, and they're always yes and amen in Jesus. Peter then speaks of the building blocks of fruitfulness in our lives. He challenges us to grow in godly character, to be useful, and to be fruitful for the Lord. He reminds us of the assurance of our salvation that comes from a steady walk and growth in Christ. And he points us ahead to that glorious inheritance, eternity, and in heaven.
Friends, at the start of this new year, at the beginning of 2020, see what God has done in your life. Make every effort now to grow in godliness. Give thanks for his works of salvation and sanctification and work at growing this year to know him more, to love him more, and to walk more in his ways. Friends, quite simply, keep growing. Let's pray. Loving God, we want to thank you for the encouragement of your word, the encouragement that, that, that you opened our eyes and granted us faith in Christ. We want to thank you for the challenge and encouragement of building on that faith to grow right through to a life lived of love for you. Lord, we pray this year that you would help each of us to keep growing in you, that you would help each one of us to daily walk with you closely by your side, to be reading your word, to be learning of it, to be talking about that together, to be growing in grace. Lord, we pray that you would help us to add to our lives all of these wonderful attributes and so many more besides. Help us to make every effort to add to our faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness that brotherly kindness. And Lord, above all, would you help us to grow in love? Lord, we thank you that we are able to do that. We thank you that we're able to do that by your spirit at work in us and through us. Help us not to resist your work in our lives, but Lord, help us to make every effort to walk closely by your side. May we know you more this year, Lord. May we love you more this year, Lord. And may we walk more in your ways. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song that reminds us that our faith comes through Jesus Christ. A song that was sung a few times now that says, Yet not I, but through Christ in me. And as we sing, let's just prepare our hearts for meeting around the Lord's table at the start of this year. As we look back and remember all that Jesus achieved on the cross for us. And as we look ahead to his coming again in glory. Let's stand and let's sing together.